Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And welcome back to the podcast uh, where cold beers are had, uh, passionate movie discussions are also had. That's correct. From our uh, home here in the heart of Portland, Oregon. And this week, uh, we revisit the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. That's right. As we went and saw the second of apparently five movies in the Fantastic Beasts series. Yes, I did not know that. So uh, we are reviewing today The Crimes of Grindelwald. Yes. Fantastic Beasts still in the case. The Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh my goodness. So uh, the second of these, uh, the first one I think you liked more than I did. I found it pretty mediocre. Uh-huh. Uh this one, the Rotten Tomatoes score, as we record this, sits at 39%. Oh, ouch. Did you like this movie? Um, I, I have to say, it is not my favorite mm-hmm. of the Harry Potter universe. So. Yeah, I like, I wanted to like it. Yeah. But... Yeah, we'll get into it, I guess. It's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, but before we get into uh, this week's discussion of the crimes of Grindelwald, uh, we each have uh, something we're going to be a drink we have as we do the talk about this movie. Yeah, it's correct. Uh, I go first this week. Sure. <laughs> Pretty sure I go first this week. I am having from Revision uh, Brewing Company the Distance Haze Northeast style. Double IPA. Um, and Revision Brewing, uh, pretty new, started in March of 2017. Oh, wow. Out of Sparks, Nevada. They've already won awards, according to their website. They won some awards at the 2018 World Beer Cup, wherever that is. I don't know, but I feel like we should go. <laughs> For sure. Uh, the Distance Haze uh, Double IPA, it uh, says on the can... Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of dank, I will fear no haze, for hops art with me. <laughs> this is okay. pretty nice. Uh, 8% alcohol by volume, only 40 IBUs, as this is a hazy. They tend to not have a ton. It's very juicy. It tastes almost... I can't think of the fruit that it reminds me of. Yeah. But there's like it feels like there's legitimate fruit juice in it. I'm taking a sip of it. Right. Maybe like passion fruit? Yeah, I think maybe that's it. Yeah. That's uh, what I sense. Yeah, definitely tropically, top, some sort of tropical juice in it. Uh, so it tastes pretty nice. It's pretty refreshing. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, the can looks like there's like a ladder extending out of the ocean into a sunrise? Or a sunset. Set, or some really heavy pollution. One of those three things. Um, a lot of the can artwork does look like it would be on a weird uh, 70s album cover. That is from true. From all the beers on their uh, from their website. But yeah, pretty good. Uh, new brewery to keep an eye on. They apparently, are, that's what they want to be known for, is they make a lot of like doubles and triple IPAs. Sweet. So, Revision Brewing out of Sparks, Nevada. All right. I'm having. I know you're having something uh, different. Yes. Um, I haven't been feeling well, and so I've had to forego my beer this evening so i am uh being comforted by some 
hot spiced apple cider. Uh huh. Um, and I find that in these winter months, that uh, spiced apple cider is always really good uh-huh. uh, with a dash or two of whiskey. Okay. Yes, bourbon specifically. Yeah. Um, and it just adds a nice little kick, and everybody knows uh, that that is good for you. And what kind of whiskey? Uh, so right now, just because uh, I didn't give, I didn't simmer long enough with the cinnamon. Uh-huh. This has got uh, some Fireball whiskey. Okay. Cinnamon flavored Fireball oh, right. in it. it. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very nice. All right. So that's what we're having as we discuss the crimes of Grindelwald. Yes. Um, spoiler alert before we get into all this. Uh, we've each come up with our three favorite things about this movie. We haven't shared them with each other. We'll go back and forth telling you what they are. Um, we won't. We never hold back on any plot uh, machinations or plot details uh, no. as we discuss this. So, uh, you know, it's been out for a while. Right. I and know. So, we, uh, we had originally intended to go see it. Yeah, earlier. Right off the bat. And yeah. then uh, just holidays and things mm-hmm. got in the way so yeah here we are several weeks after it's been out yeah so uh so yeah if you haven't seen it yet uh forewarned now uh crimes of grindelwald takes place um not too long after the original movie right like within a year yeah and uh you see um grindelwald being played by johnny depp he's being he's been held prisoner in the american ministry of magic He's being transported back to Europe somewhere. There is a thrilling escape. Yes, surprise, surprise. Grindelwald escapes from prison. He is impersonating someone else. Someone else is impersonating him. Yeah, I was a little confused. He's apparently persuaded someone within the ministry to his side. They escape. And, And then it's up to Newt Scamander to be sent on a secret mission by. Uh, young, hot, sexy Albus Dumbledore to go try to find uh, Grindelwald and Credence, who uh, survived the, f- the previous movie, apparently. The obscurial, uh, crazy magic played by Ezra Miller. Right. Would you know he survived? Because they show you him no, surviving. Oh, I don't remember. Right. There's a point at the end where you see just a little hint of like the shadow that he is when he mm-hmm. becomes the obscurial, obscurial, like drifting off oh. and out. Okay. So. All right. I don't remember. I don't think I ever saw that movie in its entirety again after we saw it the first time. Oh, okay. But, but then the rest of the movie is essentially a kind of different parties trying to track down... Um, Credence and Credence trying to determine his uh, family ties because it's alluded to that he is belongs to some famous wizarding family. Correct. All right. So uh, of our three favorite things, mm-hmm. um, I'll go first, and I will say that my first favorite thing is the aforementioned young, hot, sexy Dumbledore, <laughs> played by Jude Law. <laughs> I gotta say, looks good in those twenty eras, twenties era suits. Yeah, that is true. At what point did he decide? You know what? I'm gonna go with these big uh, bathrobe robes in weird hats. That is true. I mean, he cuts a good jib in those suits. That's pretty. Yeah, it's almost like they moved backwards in time. Like it, this yeah. is supposed to take place in the late 1920s. Yeah, and he's looking really good in his suits. And mm-hmm. then at some point in time, in the you know 2000s. They decide that he that everyone should be wearing medieval large... robes. Right. Okay. Seems, seems weird, um, but um, 
I really enjoy his uh, portrayal of young Dumbledore. Uh, I feel that uh, old Dumbledore always had this kind of subtle arrogance to him. Um, and young Dumbledore is not so subtly arrogant, I feel. Are you saying that he's not subtle about his arrogance? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, and just uh, and kind of revealing some of the history between him and Grindelwald, um, as particularly the scene where he shows him looking into the mirror of Erisette, mm-hmm. you know, which is, uh, you know, from early on in the Harry Potter films, it's supposed to show the deepest desires of the person looking into it. And he sees Grindelwald mm-hmm. in it. Uh, which shows the, you know, the relationship that everybody knows they had, but none of the filmmakers are brave enough to put it, actually have someone say it aloud. Yeah, they hint that, at it. They hit that there was a, some sort of romantic relationship between the two. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, silently yet kind of, I don't know, powerful is the right word, but, mm-hmm. you know, very intriguing. Uh, the kind of the history between the two of them is kind of the more interesting part of this movie for me and i think his performance is really good i wish he was in it more than maybe 15 minutes he's in it right um so yeah that's uh that's what and uh, the reveal of the blood pact yeah that explains like in the trailer you always heard uh double door say to newt you know i cannot move against grindelwald it has to be you and i was always just shouting at the tv why not <laughs> come on you're the better wizard. Why not? Then you find out there's some sort of magical reason. They have a blood pact where they won't fight against each other. Right. Which also explains that apparently Grindelwald never really did anything in England. All of his bad stuff that he did apparently primarily happened in Europe. Right. Um, elsewhere in Elsewhere Europe. in Europe, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Dumb, um, Jude Law as young Dumbledore. My favorite. My first favorite thing. Yeah. Jude Law does do a really good job portraying Dumbledore. And um, one of the things I was thinking is you can see him um, already pulling the strings of the people around him mm-hmm. as old Dumbledore does. Yes. I mean, at, it's, I think the hard part is, is like in the Harry Potter series, old Dumbledore is pulling the strings and manipulating teenagers. Right. And in uh, this movie, he's actually at least manipulating other adults. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... It is, yeah, he, he at least plays that role in a better, like, almost more well-intentioned role, sort of, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Maybe. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But um, it's interesting that you say that that's your thing, one of the things that you like. Okay. Because uh, one of the things that I liked about this movie mm-hmm. was Johnny Depp as uh, Grindelwald. Yeah. And I think... Um, I knew that it was like this huge thing when he was cast um, mm-hmm. in the first one, you know, and people like just the cries, oh, humanity, you know, that he would be cast. But he does a very good job playing Grindelwald in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because he's played such over the top characters in previous movies, it's easy to forget Um, how talented Johnny Depp is when he's subtle. Yeah. Right? I mean, he spends a lot of this movie just looking menacing. Mm -hmm. And he does a good job of it, you know? He's he's quiet. 
he doesn't, um, he's not a raving, you lunatic. know, lunatic, yeah. evil madman wizard. Um, he's much more quiet, um, which kind of makes everything that he does a little bit more nefarious. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's never explicitly stated what his crimes are, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's pretty clear that he's like a wizard Nazi. Um because he he clearly wants for you know wizards to rule the world and mm-hmm. um, at one point in time talks about how muggles have their uses right you right. want to keep some around for the menial tasks of the world right um, and so you definitely you know you're like oh okay I, I got this it's it's wizard Nazi you know mm-hmm. um, but but outside of that, they don't ever explicitly state what he's done wrong or why he's being hunted or why he's yeah. the the most villainous criminal out there. Yeah, because that's one of the things that lost me in the first movie is like, okay, I get it that this is supposed to be the, you know, pre-Voldemort or whatever. Bad guy. But, you know, but why? Right. Did, that first movie didn't do a good job of explaining to me as to why he should be so feared. What did right. he done? And they mention it a tiny bit in... Um, the Deathly Hollows. Mm-hmm. They talk a little bit about Grindelwald and um, Albus Dumbledore, and um, when they were younger. Yeah. Um, but they don't. There's no, as far as I can tell, explicit story of him and why he's su- such a villain. Right. So, um, I mean, it's clear he is. I mean, you watch him. You know, he he wants a house. He likes a house in Paris. So they just go in and flat out murder the family right in there so that he can take over the house. Apparently had some coffins waiting for them. Right. Because they're immediately put in coffins and put on a cart and buggy. Right. And, and taken take away. away. So, um, yeah, you're left in no doubt that he is a bad guy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just his performance in this is understated in terms of he's not he's not Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Right. Um, but he, he still has kind of all of that, um, flair, you know, for the dramatic because he's the only character who's never trying to blend in, right? Everybody else is dressed just like, you know, everybody, you know, the normal Mm -hmm. style of the time. And he, you know, meanwhile is just walking around with his spiky buzz cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, old school style clothing. So um, so he never makes a, a habit to blend in. Um, but he's 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 just really good. I, yeah. I think Johnny Depp does a great job. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does a good job. Because, uh, you know, going back to Pirates of the Caribbean, in like Dark Shadows, The Lone Ranger, probably something else I'm missing. A lot of movies where he's wearing a lot of weird makeup and just acting over the top, you know, right. ridiculous. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Sure, yeah. And, and But in this movie, he does a good job of kind of letting the makeup do some of the work. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, the one eye that's different right. and, you know, the haircut. And he's, like, really pale. Yeah. You know, and the costume, you know, just, yeah. More, more restrained menace and mm-hmm. not ridiculous. Right. So. And especially since in this, it's very clear in this one that he uses his silver tongue, as they refer to it, to convince people. Yeah. And to woo them to his side. Yeah. Um, which he does. 
you know, as mm-hmm. we see at the end. Yeah. Um, so for my second thing, and this is actually the one thing I like about both of these movies, is that you're seeing uh, wizard in, adult wizards just doing magic competently. Right. Because it's, you know, what you do when you're an adult wizard and it's just part of your life. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm glad that there's no more, you know, children, you know, trying to learn a spell and it blows up in their face and there's some ridiculous, you know, you know, smoke and weird hair effect. So just getting to see magic used as commonplace, you know, in the wizarding world Mm -hmm. is cool. I like that. Um, But you still, they still give you Jacob as like the, the one, you know, normal the muggle. Muggle who, who experiences this, you know, fantastical stuff. So you get to see that reaction to it. You mm-hmm. know, but still the... Uh, and it kind of makes me one think, you know, what, you know... I'm sure these are fantasy books, you know. Uh, but, man, what would it be like to live in that world where everybody in your community has a, a, a magic stick that would allow them to do all sorts of horrible things? You know, what kind of trust issues would you have? They don't right. really ex- they don't explore really in any of the movies, but but anyway, so that's what I, I like watching the just the grown up magic being done without mm-hmm. you know without any trouble because they wouldn't grown up magic. And what I like about these movies is um, they also interact with the like non magical world mm-hmm. pretty frequently and competently. Right, because that's the thing that's one of the things that sticks out in the Harry Potter series, is you have um, Weasley, Mr. Weasley, right, who's like in charge of Muggle, Muggle artifacts, or um, and he doesn't know how like a toaster works. It's his job, right, to know about things in the Muggle world. Yeah, and he's constantly like he doesn't understand how how money works, right. And it's just such an interesting thing because you know the harry potter books really imply that these worlds are separate all the time and they don't overlap right whereas in the um fantastic beasts movie so so far Mm. they interact all the time you know yeah and so i i think that is an interesting idea yeah so um okay the second thing that I liked about this movie is that um, J.K. Rowling participated in the writing of this uh, story. Yeah. And um, I get that that could also not be a good thing yeah. since this movie was not as fantastic as the title might suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I appreciated about it is that... Um, these are characters that she's developed, and so she's participating in the expanding of the Potterverse. Um, now, whether or not she's doing it well is kind of up to debate. It's almost like she wrote this movie as if it were a book. Yeah. And, um, and that's the part where I think that she missed the mark a little bit, mm-hmm. because there's so many like flashbacks and weird twists and turns um, that don't necessarily add a ton to the plot, I would say. Um, Or they're supposed to add to the plot, but they don't. Uh Um, But I appreciate that she's the one creating the the universe 
And I hope that she really will release these as books eventually. Right. Because I'd love to read about it, about the world, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, because she definitely dropped some teasers into this movie that um, I'm sure she'll she'll fix, or not fix, but she'll, fi- she'll be able to communicate how they relate to the Potterverse because already there's just a ton of like timeline things happening um, in terms of why is Dumbledore a defense of the dark arts teacher when according to the um, previous Harry Potter books, he was actually the transfiguration teacher. And um, so I think eventually she'll be able Mm. to kind of tie all those threads together, but only she could do that because she She's the most familiar with well, the universe. Yeah. I mean, she's the creator. Right. She gets to create the canon, canon as she sees fits. Right. You know, yeah. It's also interesting to see, because she does write Dumbledore as a pretty, um, I don't want to say sympathetic character, but mm-hmm. definitely a hero. Right. Right? Um, and I definitely got the impression by the time we got to the seventh book she didn't like him anymore uh-huh. <laughs> because she definitely kind of takes the venerable, good Dumbledore from the first six books and, and pulls out all of his warts and, um, and makes him out to be much less of a good person yeah. than you spend six books getting to know him as. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet she writes this particular um, version of Dumbledore very much as... Um, as the as a hero, right. he's going to emerge as the hero in this, and um, so I just found that interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, we'll probably talk more about the writing of this movie. Oh yeah. Later. Uh, I just appreciated that she was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I questioned some of the decisions, but I am not the creator of the universe. Yeah. That's true. All right. So for my last thing, uh, so. Ultimately, there's a scene uh, where Grindelwald is, calls a I don't know, community meeting, mm-hmm. or <laughs> rally, community whatever meeting. you want to call it, um, town hall, a wizarding town hall in Paris. And he essentially gives his pitch as to why he thinks that the wizarding community should be ruling the mm-hmm. world. And I was surprised because I was just expecting... You know, a very kind of early Magneto, you know, of the X-Men, you know, oh, we're just a highly, highly evolved, you know, look down upon the rest of the, you know, and that would kind of be it. I was, mm-hmm. I was, maybe this is, <laughs> maybe, being pleasantly, maybe it's not such a big deal what they actually did, but I'm pleasantly surprised, which maybe speaks to my expectations. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but it was a great scene. So my favorite thing is like the pitch that they gave, what they came up with. So he has this weird, like, hookah, you know, like a tobacco, you know, pipe thing hooked up into a skull. Right. With some weird writing on it. shares his vision. And he takes a puff on it, and he blows out the smoke that creates these really threatening and frightening visions of the Second World War. Right. He is predicting to everybody in front of him, this is what will come to pass if we don't do something. And it is the Second World War, including the coming of the atomic bomb. Right. And those effects were maybe the best in the film. Right. Because they are like towering 
and scary, and like the reactions of the actors are great, you know, because you know it's 1926, the First World War, wasn't that long ago, right? You know, so I really like that. That you know, is he first of all, is he actually predicting the future? Mm-hmm. Does he actually have that skill, that ability? Or is this something that, you know, maybe he can see a little bit into the future and maybe he's going to try to do something to help it happen because that'll help push the Wizarding World to his cause? I don't know. I don't know what the timeline is with this movie and how close they get to World War II before they catch him or whatever. But that, his villainous pitch and how he talks about the muggles and for the greater good and how it parallels things happening in the real world today, mm-hmm. I felt was pretty good. Um, and depressing right? at the same time. Um, so yeah, that sequence uh, when, he, when he gives his pitch uh, I thought was pretty well done and a more clever villainous, you know, mm-hmm. villain laying out his, his plan. His thing. evil master plan. Right. Right. It was better done than I was expecting. Yeah. So. The thing that is most powerful for me during that scene is when, um, because Jacob is there, right? The one muggle, the non-Matt. You know, he's oh, right, there, right, right. He's yeah, there with Queenie. Yeah. And he looks at it and his face is so horrified. Yeah. And he just whispers, another no, world another, war? Yeah, not another war. Something like that. Yeah. Right? And, and you remember, like, so they talk about it in the first one, that he's a veteran. Mm-hmm. Of the First World War. And so, you know, he would have very strong feelings right. about that happening again. Mm-hmm. And I just thought his reaction is is probably the most kind of authentic mm-hmm. and, like, gut-wrenching, I think. Because he, you know, you're looking at somebody who had lived through the First World War and um, participated in it and would be the most horrified yeah. by it happening again. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, yeah. So I think that is that's the part I like. Yeah, I like from that. Okay. Um. Oh, I was gonna say they also talk about. Um, J.K. Rowling has said that these five movies will span nineteen years, which okay. seems like a lot of time. Which means that it would end in nineteen forty-five. All right. So, so. this this s- sequence of movies is supposed to probably happen during. World, World War, War II. II. Yeah. So, um, all right. So my third uh, thing that I liked about this movie, uh, which was interesting because even though it's in the title, it clearly was set to the side, um, and that would be the Fantastic Beasts that okay. we get to see mm-hmm. in this movie. And there were a ton of of beasts that I want to go back and look up that he's got hanging out in his uh, basement. Yeah. That is, you know, of course like a wizard basement where it's way larger than it appears. Mm-hmm. He has a whole, you know, small lake uh, in his basement for the Kelpie yeah. that that he's helping to rehabilitate, um, which is a pretty cool scene. And then, um, so I, I like the Kelpie, um, the, the nibblers, the little nibblers that he's got. Yeah. And then, you know, he takes the adult nibbler with him who ends up saving the day. Or not saving the day, day, but but. setting up for the success of the movie. Because, I mean, again, we know how this series is going to end. Right. Because they already tell you that in the Harry Potter series. Right. Um, But the the adult nibbler steals 
the, the vial that contains their blood pact, yes. you know. Um, the um, the Zowu, Zowu, it's the big cat creature. Oh, right. The one right? from China. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is essentially, you know, a really big kitten. Like, how does he tame it? With a cat toy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is great. And then you see this big, ferocious, lion-type face totally transform into a, a kitty. <laughs> as, yeah. as he sees the feathery toy. Um, so I liked I liked that character. Um, the the scary Matagots, which are the weird cat-like creatures. Oh, when they're in the vault type uh-huh. place, yeah. With, with the creepy evil eyes. Yeah. Um, so there were there were cool creatures. Unfortunately, they were sidelined, which was pretty disappointing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I I think that that's one of the things I like the most about the first one is you get to meet all of the fantastic beasts because that's what the movie, you know, was focused on. Right. right? Um, so I, I liked that they still had several of those in this movie. Mm-hmm. I wish that they would have just made some of that part of the more central to the line, to the storyline line yeah and and the plot such as it was (laughs) so yeah it seems yeah i know i'll talk more about that when we get to the mm -hmm. other part right i'm just saying i Mm -hmm. liked those particular characters um or i liked the addition of the different beasts um i really 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 would have liked to just explore um newt's basement Mm -hmm. because he just had a ton of animals down there yeah and I really would have thought it would... I think it would have been fun to just know more about them. So hopefully um, in uh, the website for the Potterverse, there will be a new website, being a new page or two being launched that just is like an exploration of Newt Scamander's, you know, basement. Okay. Who's he rehabbing now? Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's three things apiece. Uh, do you have any honorable mentionable things? Um, just Jacob. Yeah, uh, Jacob's I think great. I thought that he was a great um, addition to the movie. I mean, he's a good sidekick. He's um, what he was probably my one of my favorite parts of the first of these right. movies as well. Um, he's played by the actor Dan Fogler, um, and mm-hmm. I just like what I like about him is he is us. Right, the audience right. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to see all of these things for the first time because he's like constantly amazed and you know wide-eyed and it's just like wow, yeah, all the time. And um, I imagine that's how any of us would feel yeah. if we were confronted with a magic, yeah. uh, you know, a magic it, the magic exists. exists. Right, right? And all these and, wild things, you know, the, all the, you know, excluding all the weird creatures and. Right. You know. And I like that. I do have to say, I like the scene where we see them for the first time. Um, Queenie and Jacob show up at Newt's apartment. Mm-hmm. They're very excited, you know, excited, and Newt starts to see that Jacob is acting weird, and then finally he realizes that he's under an enchantment. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he lifts the enchantment. And I think part of the thing I like most about that is that when Jacob wakes up, he's not, he's not surprised, right? He's, he's like a little confused, like, where am I? Right. And, but he's very much like, oh, 
wait, this just happened again. So you get the impression that this, this isn't, isn't the, the first, first time, time yeah. that she like she's done something like this. Right. And, you know, he's exasperated, but he still loves her. Um, and I think so. I just I, I think that his portrayal of kind of this guy who's trying to figure out a complicated relationship, um, you know, especially when you know it's a forbidden romance yeah but they clearly still want to be together Mm -hmm. and i just think um his kind of overall acceptance of the world is pretty awesome you know and Mm -hmm. he says it he says well the um obliviate only works on bad memories and since his memories of the experience were all good they all came back you know yeah like he that was a, a great experience for him to learn about the magic world it wasn't traumatizing yeah i also like that they did give him a scene where instead of like for instead of every scene he's in he's like you know oh my god this crazy thing that i don't understand another crazy thing that i don't understand and then they're like hey uh, yeah go get us those tweezers out of the one thing tweezers yeah there are these flat little and he's like he he wants to say i know what the fuck tweezers are." right i know i love it i know what those are right I like it. Yeah. Um, what about you? Any honorable mentions? Um, so I'm. I don't really care a ton for Newt Scamander as like the as the lead character mm-hmm. in these movies, uh, but the chemistry that he does have with uh, um, American Horror. Tina. Yep, that's her name. Uh, is for, when they get them together is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and there's not a lot of that, unfortunately. It's like it's a while before they like show her and sneaking around Paris, and then they you know stuff her aside for a while. And you know I like that actress. I wish she was had more of it, more to do in it, I guess. Uh, but the two of them together work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I think my biggest problem with this movie is that there were a lot of things that I wanted to like, but the execution didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I like the fact that uh, Lita Lestrange, you know, goes against type. Like she wants to be good. She wants to be a good Mm -hmm. witch, you know? Um, And they set her up to look like she's going to, go to the dark side, that she's going to follow Grindelwald, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that, because again, the Lestranges are... They have a t- reputation. Yeah, they're terrible people. Right. I mean, and they do nothing, nothing to to dissuade us from believing that the Lestranges are terrible people, mm-hmm. since, you know, they just flat out say he um, cast a spell on Lita's mom. Yeah, the Imperius Curse. Right, and yeah. made her leave her husband and child. You know, like, right. uh, excuse me. Right? <laughs> um, so just the fact that she wants to be good and ultimately she sacrifices herself to try and stop um, Grindelwald mm-hmm. is, is good. Um, I just, again, the execution of what they do with her story arc is incomplete. Yeah. In my opinion. 
I think there's a lot of that. Which we, we might as well start talking about what we don't like, I guess. Right. I feel movie. like that might take the most of it. We might have to limit it to just a couple of things each, though. I just think the whole thing is, is, is I think, poorly plotted. Um, it's very long. Mm-hmm. It's what, too long. Yeah, too long. Over two hour, two hours, fifteen minutes. It's there's a lot of beating around the bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I thought I'm mean, gonna get to the get to the point. There's a couple, three big. There's things that are supposed to be big reveals, right. but by the time you get to them, I didn't really care. <laughs> um, it just and and if like if you are a casual fan of Harry Potter, maybe you haven't read all the books. Maybe you read through them once a long time ago. You might be confused as to what the hell is going on in this. Right. If I hadn't been listening to the Binge Mode podcast and their deep dive into the Harry Potter books and movies like all year, <laughs> I would be confused as shit. Mm-hmm. I probably would have been. So, um, so yeah, this is a movie like for big Harry Potter nerds. But if you are not and you go see this, do not be surprised if you're like, uh, so what? All right. Right. Uh, so that's kind of my, my biggest complaint is I just feel it was not well um, well written. Mm-hmm. Just like kind of the, the overall plot is very clanky and I don't know. I, I go back to my earlier statement about I think they wrote a movie as though they were writing a book. Right? Mm-hmm. And the book probably would be great. You know, with all of these little side turns where you can dig a little deeper into these memories that keep coming up. And, right. Um, then that that would be really interesting. But, um, you know, for better or for worse, that's what screenplays do is they adapt some of the... Um, they, they adapt the intricacies of a book right. to create something um, that the audience can understand. Right. And I think that was that I agree with you there. Like this didn't create these subplots that you could that you either wanted to know about mm-hmm. or that made sense. Yeah. Because ultimately, um, you know, they they make this big deal, you know, and of course, you know that it's going to be uh, that it's the, the false trail, you know, that, oh, my gosh, Credence is going to be. Um, a, oh, a Lestrange. That's like, what they're leading up to, right? And, you you know, like, it doesn't take a lot of, um, you know, movie-watching expertise to know that, that that they're leading you down this false trail on purpose, that that's, that, that's not going to be the case. Too Because they're making it too much of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they do say, ultimately, what they reveal then is, is that Lita is responsible for her brother's death. You know, the actual Lestrange, right. Corvus Lestrange um, son, that he has died because she has switched babies because she's annoyed with her little baby brother. Right. And that baby drowns. Right. right? They were on a boat to America. Because there's a, there's a big expositional scene where they lay it all out. Mm-hmm. So so if, if you're not a Harry Potter fan, at least you have this. Right. Uh, her, her little brother, and her... And a little and a caretaker lady mm-hmm. on a boat to America. Baby's crying, going crazy, driving everyone nuts. Lita the Strange takes her baby brother, swaps him across the hall f- 
from another baby. Who's quiet. Who's quiet. The boat goes down, sinks, and the strangers are the only one that live? No, their boat lived. Like, everybody on their boat survived. Oh, their lifeboat. Right? Their lifeboat. Which okay. kind of makes me wonder, like, wouldn't it be, like, I mean, they might as well just made that boat the Titanic. Right. Honestly. Right? Like, <laughs> you know? T- you're, like, you're making all these other, like, crazy connections. Right. But then, I mean, part of the thing, again, that I'm supposed to believe is not only, so they're on this boat. Mm-hmm. She switches the baby the night she switches the baby. The boat the sinks. boat goes down and the boat sinks. Right. But then the big reveal at the end of the movie is, you know, that Credence is a Dumbledore. Right. That his name is Aurelius Dumbledore. Dumbledore. So now we're supposed to believe that on this boat to America, there just happens to be. In cabins across from each other, right. the Lestranges, under an assumed name, are directly across the, the hall, hall from a th- the Dumbledores? A, a mysterious fourth Dumbledore child that no one's heard of before. Right. right. And I was reading a little bit on canon, and, you know, it's not making sense how this baby could even be, be their brother. Because according to the timeline... Uh-huh. The Dumbledore's father would have been dead by that time, um, and his mother would have like either was was dying or was died like soon after, you know. So uh-huh. like, there's there like wh- how how does this happen? You know, like right. how does how does this mysterious brother exist? Is he a cousin? Right. I mean, what what? But that reveal. Because you hear the story of the switched babies, but they don't tell you there that she switched him with a Dumbledore. Because right. she doesn't know that. She doesn't know who those people she swapped babies with. Right. They're just Because she's like a six years old or whatever. And it's at the very end of the movie, Credence is with Grindelwald in his mm-hmm. Australian Red Skull mountain hideout. Right. That's exactly what I thought right? of, too. And I was like, yeah, it's where the Red Skull got it later. Um, and he's the one who explains to him that... Uh, he is a Dumbledore. His real name is whatever it was. You Aurelius. Just, Aurelius Dumbledore. So unless Grindelwald is lying, but then if he is lying, then the filmmaker is helping push the lie, which would bother me because he says, Grindelwald says a phrase, something like, you know, you've been betrayed uh, by your family and now your own brother is going to come to destroy you. And when he says that line, they flash to Dumbledore at Hogwarts right. when he says the word brother. And there's the thing with the phoenix, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they see the phoenix thing, the phoenix being connected to the Dumbledore family early in the movie, and then they have a phoenix at the end there. Right. In that final scene with Credence. Uh, so, yeah, come on. That's just a little too convenient. Right. I feel. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's a little too... Well, it's not a little. It is so this is, contrived this that is, it's frustrating. This is like... If they decide to turn Ray from the Star Wars oh. movies into a Skywalker or a Kenobi or a Kenobi, yes, yeah. it's, it's it's worse. I feel this is worse. It's not worse. It's just as bad. I feel it's worse. It, it's just as bad. I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I think so too. I just feel like that was a that was a curve that I don't understand. Right. I it doesn't make sense to me. Um, again. Because J.K. Rowling is a part of it, I'm sure it's going to unravel. She'll be able to unravel the knot um, soon. 
But I've got to be honest. I actually am not sure that I'm going to be able to like wait three movies to figure it out. Yeah. You know. I mean. I don't. And and again, this was the. So when you think about a storyline arc, right? Mm-hmm. Every this story was really all about the villain winning, you know, right. in the part. And the problem is, is in a trilogy, that makes sense. Like you think about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? You've got the Fellowship. They start their journey. You've got the second one where, oh my gosh, it looks yeah. like they're going to fail. You put them in the worst situation. Right. And then the third, third one, movie. all is well. Right. But apparently that's not going to happen because there's two more after that. Like that story arc it's got to be spread out yeah. over five movies instead of three. Yeah. Listeners of the podcast, I wish you could have been there when we were leaving the theater. And Lakeisha said, I didn't realize this was going to be a trilogy. And I said, trilogy? <laughs> There's going to be five of these. I wish you could have been there to see the look on her face. Yeah. Because <laughs> she didn't look happy. <laughs> I'm still not happy about it. Like, I, it just was a little too... To be honest, if you could have taken kind of the the exciting parts of Mm -hmm. these first two movies and put just take those parts out put those together and you have one movie that tells a good exciting story yeah i don't know if i agree that i don't know if i agree with you on that one but i do agree that um this the second one is is too long there's stuff that needed to be trimmed um i mean so yeah so anything else what else what else so uh another big uh thing that happens is uh queenie joins the dark side and i don't want to say i don't my problem with this is not that she does um but if you're gonna pull that if you're gonna have the most like sweet and loving and positive and positive sensitive character in your entire cast turn to the dark side you gotta give me something more than what they did to justify her doing it right because I was like there is a scene where she talks to Grindelwald for about 60 seconds Mm -hmm. he says maybe two sentences neither of them were him trying to convince her of anything really and then the next time you see her she's at the the rally the rally and she's like, oh, we got to listen to him speak. Mm-hmm. And, yep, I'm, I mean, I get what his message to her would be. You want to love this man and marry this man that the wizarding community says you now can't. If you, if I was in charge, you would. Right. Right? I, I assume, but he never actually says that to her. Well, he does say in their first conversation, like, I think you should marry whom you want, right? Um, and she's like, oh, yay. But the problem is, his is in, again, his entire speech is about the fact that, like, muggles are other. Right. They're different. They're, you know, which is very much a Magneto-type speech, mm-hmm. you know, like, component to the speech. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and here's the thing, like, she's basically an empath. Right? She yeah, can yeah, read people's minds. And, yeah. and somehow she can't read the minds of all of the people around her and get the impression that, like, oh, wait a minute. Whoa. She's this not, guy. She should is, be feeling all these negative emotions. Right. All this fear and anger right. and bias. Right. Right? Yeah. You would think so. 
it just it rang false. Yeah. Her, her move to the to the bad rang hollow with me. I didn't buy it. And it I was did. quick and it yep. was um un it wasn't out understandable. Yeah, it was very out of character, I felt. Yeah. So um there was something oh and I just overall so these Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is a is a fake textbook mm-hmm. that they actually published. Mm-hmm. Right. That this and it's just the decision to go in that direction as their big spin off Harry Potter spin off franchise, I I feel is I don't know. I just not interested. I mean, all that it's like the whole the Grindelwald Dumbledore relationship, Grindelwald's whatever he's whatever bad shit he's doing in Europe. Interesting. The beasts are cute and fun, but as far as but as plot devices, they're not that's not what they are. They're mm-hmm. just they're just fun effects. Right. But they're like trying to jam these two things together, like evil wizard Hitler, fun magic monsters. And it's just it's like you're trying to jam two things together that don't go together. Right. So I don't know. I just I wish they would have just made young Dumbledore the central character of the whole thing. Right. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. Also, especially since we know that there that this is going to culminate in a confrontation right. between Dumbledore and the great duel. Right? The great duel. Right. Because Harry gets like a a wizard baseball card. But he gets Dumbledore's, and it talks about his great duel against Grindelwald. Right, yeah. and that's how he gets the Elder Wand, yeah. which Grindelwald has yes. currently. So, another thing is like in the trailers, you see the Deathly Hallows symbol all over the place in the trailers. Yet you see the Elder Wand here and there. Mm-hmm. It was very weird that they featured that the Deathly Hallows so much in the promotional material, and then they, I mean, other than that's his magic wand. Right. That's it. Like the other two things don't play a part in it at all. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> Underwhelming. That's just what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. I was disappointed. Yeah. Overall, I was I was disappointed. Which sucks because the trailers to this mm-hmm. movie, I was really excited by. It's like the first movie was I was like very you know I know warm on and I was actually like this looks this looks like the movie they should have started with <laughs> this looks way cooler and then it, it wasn't so right <sighs> anyway well you, not every movie we're gonna go see is gonna yeah. be great no um as evidenced by this one <laughs> yeah three more of them to yeah. go I mean they can't all be, like, they got to get better, right? Sure. Sure. Well, and the thing is, is so what? That happened, are they going to release these, what, every two years? I guess. I guess. Yeah. That's the other thing is, I just don't know if I have six years worth of interest in me. Oh, for sure. That's the same thing. Like, uh, yeah. I, like, that movie ended and I was, it wasn't like at the end of The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. You know, that movie ended and I, I cannot wait until the, the next, next Star comes. Wars movie comes. And this movie ended and I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. Right. Thank God it's over. Well, and then you you told me that there it wasn't a trilogy. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and that, I was... That was not good news to you. Right. It was not, oh, good. More than three movies. It was like, oh, come on. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. So I am sure that there are people... 
who are listening to this podcast, yeah. who are mad at us, who are saying, no, 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 it was so good because... Or who um, have a difference of opinion on, mm-hmm. you know. Which is fine. On any of this. Mm-hmm. So I hope that any of those people will email us. Um, Let us know what you thought. Tell um, us why we're wrong. Right. We're not wrong. But <laughs> our email address, ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. So, Let us know if you disagree. Yes. And why. Keep the profanities to a minimum. Right. So I just, I feel like. There were definitely people who loved this movie, uh-huh. and I, I need to understand why. Yeah, yeah. Also, I just, we got to say a thing about Johnny Depp. There's reasons why people don't want him in these movies, and they are personal reasons. Right. He, you know, his divorce from his wife, the allegations of domestic abuse. Sounds like he's not a real great guy. Uh, I do also wish that they had recast him. Mm. I mean... Yeah, his performance in this was surprising and good. But there's no reason for a character that can change his shape, as been shown in the first two movies, that they couldn't have kept Colin Farrell. Right. Or someone else. So I just wanted to say that out loud. Okay. So, All right. So uh, anything else you want to say about? N- no. Yeah. I think that that is indicative of this movie is there's not a whole lot more that I want to say. Right. Okay. Well... A lot of options for next week. Not too sure what it'll be. Right. I feel like we're in the month of December and there's so many movies. There's like a bunch of movies that all come out, but not this week. But like in the next couple of weeks, there's um, there's the Mary Poppins Returns, mm-hmm. uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which is getting crazy good reviews. Right. Uh, I didn't know that. Aquaman. Right? We are going to be going to an advanced screening Screen. of that. Yeah. Um, there's also the Clint Eastwood movie, The Mule. Mule. Right? That there, might be pretty interesting. There's Widows. Yes. Still out right now. There's um, the Silly Holmes movie with... Uh, I'm making a face He is making right a face. Now. Right. With uh, Will yeah. Ferrell. Uh-huh. Um, interesting. I'm on IMDb right now, and every time I click on Holmes... It links me to the movie Vox Lux, which I think is really funny, <laughs> um, which is, in fact, something that I also want to see. Okay. But I just think it's really funny uh, that that's happening. Um, we'll have to decide if we're going to go see Bumblebee. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see Bumblebee. Right. Um, there's the, I also want to see on Netflix, there's the, the uh, Robert the Bruce movie with oh, Chris yeah. Pine, The Outlaw King. Which I want to, which I would also want to see. We could possibly do that, right? So a lot of options. Sorry, we can't say for sure which one it's going to be next week, but probably one of those. Yeah. So, I mean, we've only listed like four or five movies. It'll be yeah, fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> Any of those things. Oh. Okay. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this latest episode of the Cold Beer in the Cool Movie Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, uh, Podcast Republic. Try that app if you have a android device we're on a lot of other podcasting apps uh on those and again if you uh disagree with what we thought about the crimes of grindelwald uh fantastic beast still in that one case um there you email us at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com uh tell us uh, about any other movies that you we like that we watched that you agree and or disagree with recommend a movie or a beer for us to try in the future etc etc 
And, uh, and thanks for listening. And until next week. Go see a movie. Goodbye.